bring this quickly, pretty right? girl out to a ranch where there's no women around. Right. She's the only one, you know. I mean, Brad Pitt alludes to the fact that there probably is women around just based off the things he says, but you don't really see any. They seem like they're out in the middle of nowhere. I, I also don't and, get how these, like, it's kind of a dirtbag move by both of the older brothers, right? Like, yeah. Just he, he likes already hitting she, on her. She is engaged to their youngest brother. Yeah. Like, I just see, I don't know. Yeah, Alf. Alf. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Real Stakes Podcast, getting down to the meat of movies. We are here to tear apart some movies and look at the themes, not just the special effects, not just the the love and the glamour of the actors and actresses in it, but instead really talk about what these movies are about, what they are pushing as far as story, thematics, philosophy, things of that nature, and then maybe pepper in some trivia and fun facts and definitely some entertaining jokes along the way. My name is Jesse Mayer. Welcome to the pod. And my wonderful co-hosts, obviously, Mr. Zach Peak. Hey there. And Chase Nelson. Hey. So we are, if you clicked on this, it's my favorite joke. You already know what we're reviewing. We are doing <laughs> Legends of the Fall from 1996, I believe, is mm-hmm. when this movie came out, um, starring Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yep. Have I ever told you guys that I've always wanted to be knighted? I'll knight I think you. I've Can told we knight Zach. each other? I'll knight you. Yeah. That would Can be great. We, Me and Zach are lords, so maybe yes. we just need to get Jess Chase and I technically the, own land lord. in Scotland, so he and I are both lords, well, so I feel like lord. I could knight you. I'll have to postpone this. I'm going to learn how to make a sword with Wade in his Wade. forge. Yeah, and then the I'll knight you with my crooked sword. Perfect. I love this. <laughs> Anyways, Sir Anthony Hopkins is also in it. We also have Julia Ormond. Um, and then a few other actors that I don't know that I've seen in anything else outside of this. And if I have, it has lost to the world. So, um, it is, let's kind of just talk through for those of you who maybe haven't seen it in a really long time, or those of you who just want to hear our hot takes on a movie you've never seen, we will be spoiling it, but here is the general breakdown of the movie. Basically what happens is we're, um, introduced to the Ludlow family has three brothers, a father and a mother, a mother who is very, very absent. Um, she still writes them, but is basically not living with them. They live on a ranch in Montana. And um, the youngest brother basically at one point brings home a fiance. And then around that same time is when we are going into the First World War. Yep. 1915, yep. 1915. Um, and the family, the brothers decided is their civic duty to go and serve in the war. So they actually enlist in the Canadian <laughs> Army yep. to go fight in the war because America was not involved at this point. While they're out there, the youngest brother dies tragically um, fighting in the war. Um, while the middle brother, who's kind of who Tristan, who is kind of the, the he's a protagonist. Yeah, he's yeah. a protagonist, oh, he's and wild. he's also yeah. kind of the wild brother. So the oldest brother is the I follow all the rules. I don't yep. remember his classic name. firstborn, Alfred. Yes. Alfred. Alfred. <laughs> um, so obviously, I relate a lot to Alfred because I'm a firstborn. Zach's a firstborn. <laughs> are you? Yeah, but Chase, I don't relate to him. Chase, what, what are you? What's your I, do not, I do not relate to him at all at this point. Maybe when I was in high school, but at this point, it's been not a little bit. Same. Yeah, okay. I'm just, no, I do I'm not. just the rule follower of the group. We'll yep. figure out where everybody else plays <laughs> out. Anyways, Alfred, um, classic rule follower. Then Tristan, the middle brother, is kind of the wild one. Your first introduction to him is he shows up late to the train station to help pick up the fiance, and he's riding a horse and looking dashing because he's Brad Pitt, and he's mm-hmm. just like the hunk and the wild man. If if this was filmed later, as far as like, if this was taking place in the what, fifties, he would have pulled up fifties or sixties. He would have pulled up on a motorcycle instead of a horse. Oh yeah, that's for the sure. bad boy vibe. For sure, kind of gives off. And then there's the youngest brother who they feel like they always have to protect. So yeah. Tristan watches his youngest brother gets murdered in the war. When they come back, um, obviously the fiance has been waiting for the youngest brother to come back. He doesn't, and Alfred and Tristan both start making moves on her, and ultimately she ends up with Tristan for a while. Then he has a, what would you call it, a well, complex I, I, I over the it, loss of the brother. I think at this brother. point, yeah, like we can keep going a little bit, but also like the, this movie 
is it's about everything that happens afterwards. You know, it, it's not it's, a it's, it's not about Samuel. Yeah, it's in, just inciting incident. And you know what's interesting is a lot of stories uh, that that we talk about, a lot of stories that we have today, and I think this is a good thing. They kind of have a message. You know, they kind of have a theme or a moral, or they want you to take away something from watching the movie. But this movie is a little bit more like Dune. And Dune is great. It's one of our fa- all three of us. We love Dune. We've all read the book. It was awesome. We're so excited There's for the next movie. There's a great Dune podcast coming yeah. out. Yeah, there, the there will be. It will be like I don't know four, five, six hours. Who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we love Dune, and this is similar to Dune in that it's not really trying to give you a message. It's not really trying to tell a story to tell you something. It explores just so many different things. It explores Tristan's guilt. It explores him his impulsiveness and wildness. It explores uh, the youngest brother's fiance who eventually becomes involved with both of the other brothers, like her path and her decisions. It, it shows the oldest brother as, as his decision-making. It just kind of tells a story about so, it, it's a story about so many different and- things, actions and consequences. And, you know, there's anti-government rants in it and there's, you know, naive idealists in it. And there's, there's just so, so much, you know, and that's what's really cool about it. And that's why I think it's really good is because it's about so many different things. It's hard to just put it into a, you know, a synopsis. Yeah, and I mean, very much this is almost a prodigal son story. I mean, Legends of the Fall is actually a reference to the biblical fall of incident, uh, mm-hmm. innocence. Um, so, and we really see that throughout this. You know, After they go off to war and the youngest brother dies, everything kind of shatters for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like Alfred deals with, well, you should have protected him. And I have this love concern or love interest. And... And Tristan's dealing with, I should have protected him. And I am in love with this woman, but I'm also dealing with all this guilt. And he abandoned her. Like, there's just this loss of innocence all across the board. And it's basically the story of how they deal with those various consequences once their innocence Mm -hmm. is lost. And so, like you said, um, Tristan runs off. He basically goes off and literally does the prodigal son thing. Like, he goes and spends his time traveling and he's with... Uh, concubines and prostitutes at one point, and then, and then he eventually does come home. And the killing father, like everything on the planet. Yeah, yeah. he's a, like walks. a great hunter. There's a whole <laughs> montage of him being off, and his fiance or his wife now waiting for him, and just him never coming back, never writing her. And then when he finally does, she's moved on to the older brother because he mm-hmm. told her, "I'm basically dead. You should move on." I believe his letter is pretty short. I think it says, "All is dead as I am dead. Find another." Yeah. No, no, it, it's it's all Something all like, all that we had is dead. As uh, yeah. I am dead, I marry dead. another. Like that's, that's right. it. Yeah. So it's very short. And but when he does return, you do see that prodigal son moment. He's, Anthony Hopkins is rejoicing at yeah. him returning. I mean, it's very embellished because he's literally like funneling almost twenty horses into a corral by himself. Which, as somebody who used to do that, is. Probably a, the most ridiculous part of this in a movie. Piece suit and with he, his long hair flowing, yes, and he fights a bear in this. And I'm saying that Twice. is the most ridiculous part of this <laughs> Twice. movie. Twice he fights a bear, and so um, there's a whole prodigal son thing. Him dealing with the consequences of having left, and dealing with the fact that he missed his father having a stroke. And Anthony Hopkins playing a stroke victim and being this like anti-government cowboy is. Amazing. <laughs> Stroked out Anthony Hopkins in bear jacket is like my spirit animal. It's your spirit <laughs> animal. Yeah. So um, he's dealing with that. He's dealing with she's moved on and loved another. There's a, another love interest that presents a girl that he grew up with. And there's um, a second basically loss of innocence where she is murdered along mm-hmm. with um, being beaten by police officers and him having to decide how to punish the people that killed her. And so there's just a lot of story beats in this that are really just dealing with action and consequence, Mm -hmm. innocence, and then dealing with the lack of innocence afterwards, Mm -hmm. seeing the world through different lenses. Once, once that, that pretty pane of glass has been shattered. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what were your initial takes on this story? Chase, I want to kind of hear from you. We kind of, we kind of heard from Zach. He, He talked about, this is more of a, Less like a, here's big philosophy and more of just a, this is trying to replicate real life as far as what might happen if you were dealing with these things. Yeah, no. I, so this is like one of my favorite movies. Uh, the when I, this, Yeah, it's until 96. I never saw this like when it came out. I was still pretty young. But the, what introduced me to this movie was um, I was deployed in Iraq and 
some of my buddies I was living with brought it up and I was like, I've, I've never seen that. I remember being a kid and seeing what we're seeing down here, this, the, you know, VHS cover of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like Brad Pitt with his long hair. I think that actually the VHS cover is a little different than that. And it's like Brad Pitt and his long hair. And I'm like, uh, romance novel, like no interest. Right. right. And so all of a sudden, you know, I'm around all these like testosterone infused Marines and they're like, oh, you haven't seen legends of the fall. It's so good. I was like, no, I, not interested. <laughs> and they're like, you gotta watch. And so we, we like, at some point we got a copy and we watched it and I was like, okay, this movie is pretty sweet. Like I, it's just kind of this, uh, long drawn out epic. It is, it is like a tragic story, but you know, just the setting and the character, like Anthony Hopkins and, and Brad Pitt are awesome in this. And, uh, I don't know. I, I just always liked it. And, um, it has like, for me, it has some cool, cool themes in it that you can kind of, as I've watched it more over the years, I'm just see how you pronounce it. There's like a really cool, uh, like agorism theme, which is kind of like, kind of like anarchy, you know, like you get Anthony Hopkins character and just kind of the way they operate and like agorism is more of like operating in the constraints of society, but kind of like being self-sufficient and doing as much as you can outside of society, like self-sustainment. And there's all these laws and things in society, whether they're moral or not. And you kind of see these things play out um, with how they kind of subvert authority a little bit but in a way that kind of makes you respect them like he has his ranch hand and you don't know much about him he's married the um the, like the indian guy's daughter so an indian woman and these like the sheriff and this like random like irish crony show up like looking for him They're like have you seen and he kind of tips his hat down and he walks off and they come up to anthony hopkins like have you seen this man uh he's he's wanted and Right away, Anthony Hopkins is like, yeah, I saw him. He came through here a few months ago, and I think he was going to Hong Kong. And uh, they're like, oh. And he's like, what's he wanted for? And you, you kind of get the idea he probably already knows. He just right. wants to see what they're going to say. And they go, well, that's a private matter. And he's like, well, that's a public office you hold. And then he just <laughs> leaves. <laughs> and it's just like stuff like that. And he's got a lot of great rants. And, you know, it's a bit by the end, they're kind of like moonshining during right. prohibition. They're smuggling and... and yeah, you know, which, you know, they, the, uh, the Volstead Act and the oldest son helps pass the Volstead Act, mm-hmm. but his buddy is this Irish guy who they're kind of have like, it's like cronyism. Like they're writing these laws like government often does to help, you know, some other people over mm-hmm. others. And so they're running this illegal liquor business. And then Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins are like, oh, we'll, we'll make liquor and sell it. And then it kind of culminates in this climax of violence at the end. Which actually kills Brad Pitt's. Which actually second, kills his wife. His wife, yeah. right? Because he doesn't marry the first love interest, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and and yeah, you know, just there is a strong kind of uh, anti-war message in a in what I feel like is a good way because Anthony Hopkins is the main driver of that. His sons, he's seen his sons be caught up in a conflict that doesn't have much to do with them, especially at the time the U.S. isn't in war yet. You know. Um, and Anthony's experienced war, and he's an ex- yeah. He they show a clip of him. You know he was, and he and he kind of goes on at some point later when he when his son's asking for his blessing for office, and he's like, I know what war is. He's like the issues back then were Indians, and he they do a clip and it shows him he was kind of responsible for being in the military when they were pushing the Native Americans out of their land, and there's a lot of bloodshed, and and he talks about you know the tragedy of life lost. Um, of like innocent people too. And so he's lecturing his son, his sons about that. And you watch them kind of go off and they're enthralled with what's going on in the world and wanting to be a part of it. But you kind of see the tragedy in it when, when they're done, you know, you can, I mean, Brad Pitt's character basically goes along just to protect his younger brother, which is kind of comical. You see, as someone who was in the military watching the, the funny things where he's like, doesn't really even care about anything. His brother's like, get back with the enlistment. He's like, no, <laughs> I'm going to stay here with you. <laughs> like, I'm just doing my own and, thing. And yeah, like, you know, I've never been in trench warfare. It seemed a little more chaotic and less orderly, but um, yeah, and it's just interesting. The, the, I like these themes. It's one of the reasons I, I like the movie, even though it's so tragic, you know, there's still interesting things kind of throughout it. 
it's a very human experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like we see a human element play out that doesn't feel as scripted as maybe some of the more modern takes on it. It, it I mean, you know, you give or take on Brad Pitt's um, crying slash screaming skills. Which, terrible crier. Which in my, <laughs> he was that, as like, I started laughing I when this he with, cried. I watched this with my girlfriend. I'm like, I can't tell if this is so bad it's looping back around into the good <laughs> realm or if it's just so bad I can't stop laughing. But, um, I mean, you, you give or take on Brad's dramatic moment acting, it is a, ultimately a story written very much about human experiences and dealing with um, consequences. What were your takes on this, Zach? I thought it was a great take on the classic Greek tragedy story. There's elements of fate that they bring in through the Native American culture, which mm-hmm. I thought was done well. I thought it was interesting. One thing that I liked about bringing the Native American culture into it is you have this old Native American guy who kind of narrates this beginning and ends of the story. And his just take on things and like his morality is very different. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily bad. And the movie is not there to, to judge the morality. But, you know, like at the very end, uh, Tristan, who is the protagonist, it's Brad Pitt's character, dies fighting a bear. You know, and the guy's like, "It was a good death." Yeah, so, it's like, it's like, was it though? <laughs> well, and what's interesting too is, so this movie was originally, originally, um, kind of written as a movie that was, it was conceived as a movie that was supposed to star Sean Connery, Sir Sean Connery, sorry, another, <laughs> another Sir, okay, and Tom Cruise. So here's a wild take though. That phrase, it was a good death is also the last phrase spoken in the last samurai, mm. which does yeah. star Tom. Like Ken Watanabe. Okay. Yes. Okay. Ken Watanabe. And so very similar, right? Because we also see that in the last samurai, there's a very serious parallel of native Americans mm-hmm. and their loss. Um, and you know, an American yeah. military guy. And we see that at, Japanese and American military thing as well. So all it right. is very interesting that all, basically both movies could have So had the Sean statement. Connery was going to be Colonel Ludlow. Yes, Sean Connery would have been Colonel Ludlow. I feel like he could have pulled it off. So are they going to, Tom Cruise going to grow out his hair long? <laughs> he would have had <laughs> to. The other person that was offered this role before they gave it to Brad Pitt was Johnny Depp. And what a way different movie this would have been with yeah. Johnny Depp. Yeah, right? wouldn't have hit the I, you same. You know, as bad as his ugly crying was, which I would recommend anybody watch just because. The humor, the the humor is off the charts. But uh, as you know, as bad as that part was, one, it's just one small part of you know a two hour movie, and I thought he did a really good job in the role. I thought he he did a good job, and it was a difficult role in some ways. I think because it was a twist on the Greek tragedy. Because it's a Greek tragedy. It's a tragic story. Like a lot of people you like die. (laughs) A lot of people that come up to be good guys end up dead. And it's a lot of pain, a lot of sadness, a lot of heartbreak. Uh, There's a suicide in it, which we haven't talked about yet of one of the the main characters, you know? So it's, but, but what was interesting and, and it says so at the very end of the movie, so it's not super subtle about it, but a Greek tragedy with a tragic hero, you know, they are fated to go down a path that will end in, in downfall, you know, and, and he does Brad Pitt's character, Tristan does a little bit, but as it says in the movie, instead of him dying young, he is the rock that others are shattered upon. You know, his actions hurt his father, hurts his older brother. Um, I feel like, you know, he feels guilt over his younger brother, although that's not really his fault. Uh, it, you know, it ends up with a suicide of the woman that he loved and then who is, ends up being his brother's wife. Uh, it ends with the death of his wife. Uh, it ends with him not being able to raise his children. It's uh, it's pretty. Uh, well, pretty... and I mean the scene before. So at two points in this movie, the character Tristan fights a bear. So at the very beginning, he fights this bear. The bear's name, Bart the Bear. Bart the Bear. Bart the Bear. Yeah, he was an actor. Um, and uh, what other and movies has he been in? So actually, weirdly enough, Great Outdoors. Um, I did not look up his IMDb profile. But uh, <laughs> I hope he has one. <laughs> actually, I would I would have no doubt. But Anthony Hopkins um, actually played in another movie with Bart the Bear later. Oh, is it that uh, the Edge? Yeah, in the nineteen ninety nine. So, uh, so Bart the Bear and Anthony Hopkins BFFs. Should we do yeah like a power ranking of actor duos and is Anthony Hopkins and, and Bart, Bart the, the Bear, bear at the, the top? Best. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Considering they're in two movies. That- 
So, I mean, uh, during those two scenes, you know, that kind of starts the movie and ends the movie as well as the um, Native American man narrating. But you see all these tombstones at the very end of the movie of people that have died while he's before you see him finally die. I think Samuels is the first, and then as the movie goes, yeah. there's more. Yes, and those gravestones just start filling in. Yeah. And it's, you know, his older brother. It's his uh, younger brother. It's his dad. It's his mom. It's um, the first love interest. I can't remember her name right now. Susanna. Susanna. Susanna, played by Julia Ormond. Yeah. Um, and they... Um, all are dead, and finally, this bear that's basically been tracking him, or they've they've encountered each other multiple times throughout their lives, finally does kill him. And so, um, it's just interesting because, yeah, that that idea of this rock that everyone else breaks against of his choices and his life are these things that adversely, almost always, adversely affect mm-hmm. other people's yeah. lives. Yeah, and and I like that it was. One element of the Greek tragedy is that it's faded. The the decisions the characters make aren't necessarily good or bad decisions. They're not right or wrong decisions, but they just kind of end up there. While in this story, it's pretty clearly his bad decisions. Right. His impulse, you know, he's very impulsive. He's a wild warrior, and he just does whatever he wants. He's not very considerate of others, and how does that end up? A lot of people are hurt because of it. And I really liked that twist because the classic, the Greeks believed their philosophical idea was that everything is faded. And so it doesn't really matter what you do or what you don't do or what decision you make. It's like, it's, it's just fate. You're going to end up where the gods push you no matter what. While this is like, well, well, you can still make bad decisions. And, and he makes a lot of bad decisions and they do a great job of making him sympathetic because it's out of guilt. You know, he's in a deep amount of pain over losing his brother because you know like chase said earlier tristan goes to the war purely to take care of his little brother purely to make sure his little brother survives and he puts himself in harm's way he exposes himself to danger just to save his brother and then he fails and it's through no fault of his own he did everything he could and it just didn't didn't go his way and And he collects german scalps and then, yeah, yeah, and then he goes crazy and starts yeah. scalping Germans. It's kind, it's kind of a cool scene. But, and then he rips uh, his brother's heart out and mills it home. Yeah, it's, 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 it's endearing. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but my point is, through all that, you know, it causes this, this shattering guilt, which really you know, kind of is the impetus for so many of his decisions. You know, it's why he doesn't stay with the woman he loves first. Susanna. Yeah, with, you know, it's why he doesn't stay with Susanna. It's why he leaves and the ranch goes into disrepair. It's part of the reason why his older brother goes off, you know, is because without him there to help, you know, mediate, the, his older oldest brother and his father kind of grow apart and fight a little bit more. It causes Susanna to go marry the older brother and then eventually he comes back and it just, it rips her apart so she commits suicide. It's like a lot of these bad things happen because he makes these bad choices, but they're out of guilt. And so it's very, you're very sympathetic to it because you're not like, oh man, why do you keep making bad decisions? It's because these difficult things happen to him and he responds poorly, but you also feel for him. I thought they did a really great job of, of bringing that together. So you stick with him as a protagonist, even though he makes a lot of bad choices and you're, you're rooting for him and want good things, but you know, you just, you see how he keeps falling into this pattern and you know, it's like, it, it just, they did a great job of, of building that story up and, and showing us all these things through that lens. So I think it's really interesting. I kind of want to talk about the storyline with him and Susanna. Um, so I initially start laughing at the beginning of this movie. As soon as she steps off the train, all three brothers are obviously very, very interested in this woman, right? And at first I kind of chalk it up to, okay, well, they're living out in the quote-unquote middle of Montana. Probably haven't seen another woman, especially mm-hmm. one as refined and probably well mm-hmm. put together as this in a very long time. But like... The trap is very real of like, oh, this is a love quadrangle coming. Well, you up bring very this quickly, pretty right? girl out to a ranch where there's no women around. Right. She's the only one, you know. I mean, Brad Pitt alludes to the fact that there probably is women around just based off the things he says, but you don't really see any. They seem like they're out in the middle of nowhere. I, I also don't and, get how these like it's kind of a dirtbag move by both of the older brothers, right? Like, yeah, just be like already hitting on her. She is engaged to their youngest brother. Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Alfred at the beginning is, is a little more like, he's just like, do you see Swiss family Robinson? Yes. Yeah. When they find out that the, the boy they're helping is actually a girl and then they start being like overly like helpful. Yeah. Yeah, Like that's kind of Alfred. 
And then, but then, Brad's and, then like, Tris, and then, yeah, on. Brad Pitt's like, well, he doesn't, he just kind of, they all like look at her with that kind of like, wow, look, you know. Right. Um, but then, but she kind of initiates it. Yeah. She's she, having a hard time because Samuel announces he's going to join the war and then Alfred's like, and I'm going too. And she's having a hard time and Tristan's there. I forget who's in there. I think her. he's in there and she comes in or vice versa. But she kind of like leans into him, but he doesn't really do the noble thing of like putting space. He kind of yeah. like, I mean, like he's comforting her, but then it, it, it's like the faces linger yeah. really close. Uh, and then Alfred walks up <laughs> and sees and them. Catches them. And <laughs> so the, the actress who plays Susanna, but before we continue this, uh, Julia Ormond, another person that was supposed to theoretically take that role was Gwyneth Paltrow, actually. Hmm. Which again, a very different movie, probably. I think she could have pulled it off, but it would have been a very different movie. Can I, can we take like two minutes? I am I'm I'm young, you know, that don't know anything, don't know any like big Gwyneth Paltrow besides Pepper Potts and the Marvel movies. Um, so like, what is the what was the take on Gwyneth Paltrow before like the Marvel movies? Was that would that have been good? Would that have been bad? As far as like, would other roles have? Yeah, like, was there anything else that you saw her in, or that you like? Do you have any idea what the? I know she was around. Turned? I just she was I around, remember. but I don't. I, I can't, can't remember. Okay. Really all right. All I right. think that was probably her big, her her largest starring role that I can think of was the Marvel. She wasn't saying Shakespeare in Love, which I still need to see because I do love rom coms. Um, so it's just interesting because that could have been a different thing. Um, I was doing some googling of trivia before this. Brad Pitt and Julia apparently lived in the same house, so this was all shot in Calgary. In not in Montana. Okay. They shot this in Canada because it saved them $2 million on production cost to do so. Yeah, that was um, great. And while they were up there, they actually lived in the house together. And uh, apparently Brad quotes it as, it did help build the sexual tension. That was <laughs> the only phrase he had on this, right? But what I think is interesting is I think she plays, you kind of, if you look at her character, Julia's character, Susanna, uh, objectively you're like why are you still on this ranch even past when the little brother dies why are you still waiting like, i think they kind of allude to it at one point just there's mention that her her home life before meeting samuel was not i think she lost both her parents right so, so, they don't really I, say specifically but it's something like that right but but and, and i agree with that like they they say that at the very beginning like in the letter that the absent mom yes, writes to the father yeah. she says her you know she lost her parents or something along those lines so she didn't really have anywhere else to go she yeah. says something about like she's kind of a sad person or like something to that effect like she's she, she's she's frat she's worried about her being fragile yeah, i yeah. think something but i'm also like this chick is really her character to me like the, the older brother makes sense he's very firstborn rule followy you know he gets mad when uh, Tristan and Susanna kind of get together, but aren't married, you know, and then Tristan leaves for a few years and she's waiting for him. And he kind of calls her out like, dude, he's being a loser. He's being terrible, you know, and fights with his father because he's saying bad things about Tristan. So like, he's very rule following and all kind of that very cultured and in, in the city and the civilized Tristan's the wild man. And like his decisions are impulsive and that makes sense. The youngest brother is this idealist and, you know, goes to, to the war because of it. The all pure of, one. He's yeah, like the, innocent. Yeah. But, but Anthony Hopkins is this, you know, war, you know, weary vet you know just weathered and everything and he's just done with all of it wants to live this quiet life on a ranch like all those characters make sense to me and then Susanna to me is just kind of like all over the place she's um she's the if you understand this reference she's the Jenny of this movie <laughs> I which do understand people, people, I'm not that young. <laughs> Jenny, yeah, which people have come to the conclusion much later now that Jenny is the bad guy like she's mm -hmm. She's not a good person, and in in many ways, Susanna is she's, very she's the original toxic woman. Yeah, and, Su and Susanna is kind of like I mean, the Indian guy narrates this well when he says like she's the ice that freezes in a rock and breaks it apart mm -hmm. by no fault, fault of hers. Of but yeah. when you watch it, I mean, well, and you, you could, can kind of falter. <laughs> and I mean, you could put it towards you know, women had limited choices back then, so like getting married, whereas her best option. So she was trying to wait for an opportunity, but I think, I mean, or some, you could blame, um, you know, Samuel for bringing her home around Brad Pitt. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know how good looking your brother is. You don't just, bring just her home until you boundaries. got a ring on it. Yeah. No women around Brad Pitt. That's just a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, her character, I think, was the one that didn't make the most sense. Like, Isabella, too, basically, I mean, she's a woman who knows what she wants. She says, I'm going to marry Tristan at a young age and has like a 10 year gap on him. But she goes out and does it, right? And it's like she wasn't sitting around waiting for him. But when he came back, she basically was like, all right, are we doing this or not? And But yep. Susanna was basically like, she just sort of waited for things to happen, or happen to her. She never mm-hmm. took the initiative other than occasionally taking the initiative to potentially treat cheat on her yeah. fiancé with Brad <laughs> well, and so, Quick question. And her like, husband, because yeah. later after Isabel II dies, she visits him in jail and like thinks now that now his wife is dead. Maybe they could maybe they rekindle could it. Yeah, yeah. It, she's she's all yep. over the place. Yep. It, what relationship do we see between Isabel two and Tristan? I don't really remember. I like I know that when Tristan's going off and doing stuff, Isabel two is like I'm going to marry him someday. But so but when Tristan gets back, what what relationship scenes do we have between them? As far as before they get married, yeah. Do we have any? I mean, it's really only see that her. one barn scene where yeah, he's basically. A and then no, but they do show them kind of start like. There's a little montage of like them. Yeah, they're sitting together, and, and you and you do see if you juxtapose it with the scenes with Susanna, like, like he's obviously attracted to her, but when you you see them in scenes, he's like he doesn't like look at her. They're sitting there, and she's about Isabel. I'm talking Isabel about Susanna. Susanna, right? She's kind of talking to him, and he's like zoned and there it's like kind of this facade and then when you look at the scenes when he comes back and then his relationship with Isabel two starts you see them sitting and he's sitting there looking at her and they're talking because you, you you see him really when he comes back from that long hiatus you know he kind of rides up and you can all you see it in his face like he's kind of gotten through when a lot he of herds his, 30 horses by himself yeah. <laughs> into a corral in which a is the suit. most unrealistic yeah. portion of this movie yeah but that's how he makes his entry, right? But you kind of see there's been some healing for mm-hmm. him. He's got, he's kind of lost a lot of the burden. He's made peace with what was bothering him before, you know, the guilt and the shame, and he's ready to move on. And then I think it's shown well through that because now he's, you know, what does Alfred say to him about Susanna before he leaves, you know? He's like, are you going to marry her? You, you can't, you know, you can't make her happy because oh, yeah. he's, he's full of chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, the Indian guy constantly refers to him as like the bear, like because the movie starts with him as a, at a young age getting injured because he encountered the bear and like stabbed it and cut fought it or cut the toe off. Yeah. Of like cut the toe off, but he, he survives. And so the Indian guy kind of, you kind of get this idea, like he has the spirit of the bear in him and everything he's doing is like he always refers to it as it was the bear, like all these like chaotic actions he's yeah. taking. And when he comes back, he says, I think he said something like the bear was sleeping in him or something. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And I, I think they kind of show that in the little few scenes. Yeah. Well, that that's fair, but I, I do think then it, it's tough because I look at that as him leaving her, I, you know, cause he's gone for years. She's like, I'll be gone in a couple months. And it's like five, six him years. No, I think yeah, it's like a decade. Susan. It's whatever it's it was. Time. It's a long time. Yeah. It is. It is more than a few months. And, and it's tough because from, from one point I'm like, that is not okay. You know, he, but from the other point, it's like, it, it's tough because what he is doing is wrong, but also, you know, on this point of Susanna's character being a little chaotic and really, you know, kind of all over the place. And she doesn't take action in any form. Well, she but waits for things not only does she wait, but she opens herself up immediately to her fiance's brother, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it's like, I'm just trying to, as I was trying to process this, I'm like, well, you know, he's obviously making bad decisions, but it really feels like he needed healing and he got some of that healing from being away. But, but then how can that journey can, how can that healing journey be okay? If it, him leaving for it was wrong because he left her, right? but they weren't married, you know, and there was this chaos in him and she is shown to have quite bad judgment, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I, I'm just thinking maybe the issue, you know, and it's not really through a fault of her own because she was just following her her own impulses, you know, but she was just like, oh, well, Brad Pitt's back and I like him a lot. Well, as opposed to she should have left the ranch. And if she leaves the ranch, then Tristan probably leaves earlier, goes on his journey and is not leaving anybody behind, you know, and that 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 makes his journey OK if he's not leaving anybody. 
So I mean, to a point, because he still abandoned his dad and his brother, right? And the and the ranch falls into disrepair. There is that um, there is that narration while they're still gone um, in the war, and it says she was going to leave, and then Anthony Hopkins. There was a bad winter that came in, and so mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins, uh, kind of demands the wrong word. He insists she stay she stay yeah. through the winter, and that's when Tristan comes back. Yeah. From the war. From the war. Because remember, Alfred got, gets injured, so he comes back earlier. Yes. Tristan doesn't come back right away because he's first processing time. Right. Because you know, he comes sh- back cause, late. Because his first, first coping mechanism so makes, is to scalp Germans. So And then he runs off to what? Brad it's Pitt London, makes like right? at least three grand entrances in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, that would be the second one. And yeah, so they did kind of set that up where like she should have left. Mm-hmm. She was going to leave. Yeah. Circumst like a lot of it, it is like fate, like you're yeah. saying it, it, in, the, in the type of story. This is like uh-huh. just, but there was a big storm, and Anthony Hopkins insists she stay. You know, mm-hmm. worried about her traveling. So, and then Tristan shows up. They didn't know when he was coming back, and fit, as fate would have it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> the well, timing was what it was. And I think the contrast too. I want to kind of look at as well as Susanna's character and Isabel too's. I, I, I love this, and I didn't even get this, so I'm glad you brought it up, was um, his relationship with the two of them and, and what they did within him are very different, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, Suzanne, he wouldn't even look at, and yes, there was passion, but there was nothing really sustainable between the two yeah. of them. Versus Isabel, too, who's confident, knows who she is, has an understanding of what she values and how she wants to do life mm-hmm. and go through She that. can tame the bear. She can tame that, right? But it's like, and I just, I think there's there's something to be said. You could take that parallel to a lot of people's choices these days when they go into a relationship and they're like, you know, whether it's sexual or otherwise, they're like, I feel all of these crazy emotions. And so it's like, this must be the person. But sometimes it's not that person that is the best person for you because just as quickly as those emotions come on, they can also potentially go away. This isn't true for everyone, but... Isabel too is more of this steady, slow, methodical, like I'm in this for it. I know who I am and I'm not defined by who I'm going to get married. She's like, I'm fine by myself, but I happen to also kind of want to marry you. And so it's a very different set of women that, that Tristan engages with. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's very interesting as a juxtaposition against the two, despite, you know, Susanna's choices about maybe hanging out for, a decade longer than she should have waiting for Brad to come back. But like, and no, and that's, that's the other thing is she, Susanna makes these poor decisions. She does not respect and value herself, you know, in in that way. She just, Brad Pitt immediately gets back. She immediately starts a relationship with him. And then when he leaves and he's gone a lot longer than three or four months, she just stays and she's like, I'll wait for you forever. And that's not very, you know, valuing herself. That right. she she's not giving herself she's not defining herself by who she is she's defining herself as I I just I need this person you know and I'll wait for them forever which is not really it's not very healthy it doesn't seem healthy well, as as opposed her happiness to happiness is in another person yeah her. which is very dangerous never trust other people to make you happy because people are disappointing yes. <laughs> uh, but but Isabel too is very strong willed. And, you know, part of it is probably that he's healed and that he's in a different place, but also she is a little bit, you know, tougher and she won't let him get away with things, but she also does let him get away with something and it leads to her death. The moonshine operation. Moonshine operation. Yes. Did she care about that though? Well, and, and that's, what's tough is, is I, you know, that was a, it's, that was a lot. There's there's a lot of dynamics in that situation. It's a complicated situation. But at the end of the day, he put his family at risk, and then his family was harmed because of his, what he was doing. And you know, it's does she care? I don't think she cared that he was breaking the law, but I do think she would care that he was putting the family in harm's way. You know, and and it's up to him to protect the family. And we see two and two and a half times maybe where Brad Pitt fails to protect his family, maybe more, where... He doesn't have a great track record. No, because first, and look, the Samuel thing, his younger brother dying isn't really his fault, but he goes to protect. And so even though it's not really his fault, if he goes as his mission is to protect his younger brother and his younger brother dies, he, he still failed his mission, even though it's not really fully his fault. And then when he leaves, he doesn't protect the woman that he was having a relationship with and, and you know, hopefully loved. 
He's not protecting his father. He's not protecting his family in that way. And then he does not protect his wife and family very well by moonshining, you know, and then he's threatened and then he just kind of keeps doing it, which I feel is like the worst option. I was like, oh, he got threatened. He's going to go right back at these guys. Nope. He just keeps moonshining and gets his family in trouble. And then he doesn't really protect Susanna and Susanna ends up committing suicide. And that's not that one. That last one isn't really fully his fault, but he also made some bad decisions there, which help exacerbate the issue that's already there. And, and so I do think that there is that knock on him, you know, and that's part of the reason why he is the rock that others are shattered upon is because his decision-making is what is leading to these, these difficult situations. It's leading to this loss and this pain. It, it's, it's his fault for putting his family in these situations, you know? And I, I know that I have a wife, but I do not have kids. Jesse does not yet have kids and or a wife or a wife. Yes. <laughs> and then Chase is the only one of us, you know, with a wife and kids you know, what is your perspective as a father on that situation where he's running moonshine? And frankly, I don't think anybody in the world cares that he was breaking that law. No, but he was putting his family in danger in that. Especially he, after he the did, threat, right? He, he did in that, that very specific situation. Yeah. Cause you see them threaten him. They catch him doing it like at night, but he's by himself. You know, he's making like a late mm -hmm. night delivery. And then the next scene, there's like a big, um, kind of fair going on in like downtown Helena country social kind of. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, he brings his family there, they drive out and they're hanging out. He sees his brother who he hasn't seen in a while. And it's, it's actually been a few years since he's come back at that point. Cause his kids, he has two kids. Mm -hmm. His oldest son is like probably about three. Yeah. And, and, uh, Alfred and Susanna hadn't even seen them yet. Met the kids, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, they hadn't even, I mean, he he had, he goes and see meets Susanna when he first yeah, when gets he first back. gets back. But then, then I mean, look, he he has to fall in love, mm -hmm. get married to Isabel have too, kids. Yeah. have kids, yeah. and that kid's three years old. So and that's, have another that's, kid that's yeah, that's uh, maybe six to eight months. So, so that's got to be at least what four or five years. Three, yeah. I would say three or four. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's been this guy, and so anyway, and they they're doing that, and then as they're leaving, he goes and he like delivers mm -hmm. a little like crate. Yeah. Of whiskey or whatever shine and in broad daylight in like broad not daylight even subtle he had and he had just seen that irish guy that threatened him yeah and so yeah that was a mistake like that's something like like you said i wouldn't fault anyone moonshining back then like yeah. I, I get it uh and it was just like a poor choice of tactics mm -hmm. well uh, don't do that like you previously made you know you're doing this at night you know kind of clandestine and then you just do it in broad daylight right in front of the same guy who just threatened you with violence. So probably, yeah. The, my counter argument devil's advocate in this is the moonshining operation was started because horse price or cattle prices had dropped so drastically. The, the ranch was basically yeah had no money, right? So the moonshine operation was started initially to save the ranch, which you could argue was him attempting to provide for his family no, because that was the only way to... But but ne money. neither of us are criticizing him being yeah, in the yeah. moonshine business. Yeah. I don't have any. Yeah, I don't have know, a problem with it. I think at this point, a hundred years after prohibition, but would you have expected him ever, to not moonshine after the threat of violence, even if he? No, 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 no. I'm saying anything. I'm saying his tactical choice of doing it with in broad his daylight <laughs> with his family, like just go to the thing, come back later or whatever. Like don't do it with your family when they have to ride back like that. Like you, uh, yeah, you, you you don't put your your wife and kids. The, the, the idea of I have like been threatened by a gang with violence, therefore I will do the thing they told me not to with my entire family. Yeah. Okay. That's what that's, we're picking that's up. Where we're picking <laughs> that, up. Okay. That's the point where I'm like, man, that's just like, that's totally on him. Like, yeah, the, on him. you know, those, the, the gang that comes after and his wife is not purposefully killed, but you know, he, they're driving down. A it's actually a cop a, that kills her. Yeah. It's, it's a dirt, you know, they show up with the dirty cops to kind of, to, to rough him up a little bit and his family's there and a cop shoots a gun into the air and whether it's a ricochet or whatever it's it may ricochet. be, you know, his wife gets, you know, get unluckily, you know, or by fate or whatever you want to call it, gets hit in the heart and dies immediately. And 
it's just like he's the one who put them in that situation. Yes, the gang, the cop is the one who was shooting off his Tommy gun when he should not have been. The gang is the one who went out there to strong arm him. You know, they're all technically committing, I think, a felony is what it was right. with, with smuggling. Like, I get all that. But the issue, the core, core issue is that he put his family in the line of fire. Yeah. And that's what I think Chase, that's what I'm talking about. Look, if he wants to keep trying to do it at night, and again, when it's when it's Brad Pitt, who's this wild man the entire time. You would expect nothing less. Yeah, well, I'm just like, well, what I was like is like, okay, these Irish guys come, you know, over from Ireland. They're they're in Helena, Montana, threatening the wild man who's grown up here. He's gonna go right back at him. They're just all gonna end up dead. He's gonna take their scalps. And instead of him doing anything when he's threatened, he just does it with his family in broad daylight. Yeah. That's the issue. Doesn't make That's, sense. Yeah, that is just like that is that is top notch, just not a smart move. I uh so moving on from that point, he does basically go on a revenge trip. Like he goes full John Wick on them and basically goes out and hey, gets them all murdered. Shoves the guy into a, like a pitchfork. But he pitchfork. only murders two guys. They only murder what two guys? How well, many they more do guys? the cop. So, but that so that's one the, step that's, goes out. That's Isabel. That's Isabel two. He goes dad. after right. like the younger Irish brother. There's like yes. two Irish guys that are brothers. Right. He goes after the O'Bannons. The O'Bannons. He kills the one in like the warehouse. Yes. And then um, Isabel two's father. And I love this scene because yeah. uh, there, there is some cool. Um, weaponry in this movie that i like mm -hmm. uh first of all he has a sweet like antler buoy knife that's just awesome throughout the whole movie and he does work with it mm -hmm. and then in that in this scene where isabel two's father takes out basically snipes this guy's car and then shoots him he's i think he's using a shiloh sharps and it would have been like a something like a 4570 but maybe something a little bit bigger and it's like a bre breach action loader so you you yeah you Pull, it doesn't break like a shotgun, but you, you pull the breech open. It's like a trap door. Yeah. Really cool rifles. And it's like quickly down under, kind right. of similar. Can, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. If you're a cop and you have accidentally killed somebody's wife and somebody's daughter who work out on a ranch and have weapons and your car just stops working and you get out and get hit, should you slowly stand up? Because that scene to me was Did almost funny. Did he think funny. he got hit by a because, rock or yeah, something? Because he, yeah. like, oh, gets, that really he hurt. gets hit the first time. You know, his car stops working. Get it. It's the 20s. That may happen on a road. And he's also he shooting out. at him from about, I just, I would guess around five, 600 yards. Which is a pretty nice shot. Which and is he hits a great him like shot. Three times, but, but he gets hit, and then he's just like, he's like, oh, I got hit, and just like slowly stands up. I'm like, man, I feel like the second you get shot, you dive for cover. Like unless he was just so dazed by the first one. I hey, just I thought mean, that scene was kind of funny. That guy got walled by a pretty big slug. That yeah, thing's probably between like 250 to 300 grain. That's a lot. Slug, I think that could no, be totally he's, off. He's but not I think thinking. For those estimate. that don't speak in terms of grains and bullets, we're just going to say weight. that's a big one. A that is a lot. It's a bullet weight. <laughs> and on that, it's a cartridge that would be like probably yay big, tall, like the entire cartridge. And so you for you see, audio only people, <laughs> for, for sorry, people who are not listening, you, sorry, we got scary. cameras in front of us, so I naturally <laughs> just, but you know what, three and a half inches maybe in length, if it's like a 4570 mm -hmm. and if it's like a 5100 or something, yeah. which was like another one back then, it'd been a little longer, um, you'd see about, you know, half inch, three quarter inch of a slug popping out, but like under that brass neck, it would, that, that bullet's probably about an inch and a half long. So it's just a big fat piece of lead just again for those of you not well versed in the language of firearms it's a very big bullet yeah big, big <laughs> bullet uh another cool since we're on this topic uh um at the end when anthony hopkins hobbles out mm -hmm. in his amazing either grizzly or like buffalo hide coat that he's coat, wearing yeah. the like second last third of the movie uh when brad pitt comes back from his very long trip he gives him this rifle that he can't really put together because he's his stroke doesn't really allow much like tactile, you know, motor skills, the high it, dexterity, the dexterity needed there. to assemble it. But he, he does eventually get it because they come to kill Brad Pitt after they kill these two guys. And Anthony Hopkins kind of walks out. It's like my favorite scene is they're like telling Brad Pitt, they're basically gonna go take him and kill him. And then Anthony Hopkins comes and he's like, what's going on here? And then, and then he just like opens his coat and he whips up this thing. And most people probably think this is a shotgun because it looks like a double barrel shotgun. Oh, is it? I definitely thought it was a shotgun. It's not. So, I I so, so you see a rifle like this earlier when it shows him hunting in Africa. So this is probably like an elephant gun that he got in Africa because this shotgun 
you know, it's kind of like this exotic weapon he brings, and they kind of allude to it. And, and it's probably like a somewhere between a 50 or 60 caliber, like, nitro. Um, and they're even bigger than the one the guy shot the cop with. They're these, like, they're elf- very, very large. <laughs> if you want to if you wanna look more into this, go on YouTube and type in, like, 700 Nitro Express fails, and you will see videos of people shooting these kinds of rounds and, like, getting absolutely, like, thrown back into walls and stuff. Because by of how these, powerful it is. It, yeah, they're, but they're for shooting elephants. And he was out in Africa shooting all these guns. And you see him walking with one of those guns on his shoulder, and you see, you can see the... Um, the bandolier across his chest with all the slugs and you'll see they look they're like the width of a shotgun shell that's why it looks like a shotgun but it's actually a, a brass it's just a shell. massive rifle it's a massive yeah. rifle okay round. okay and very cool and then so, anthony just like and he blasts that, and that guy so, with so when yeah. that guy like flies back it's pretty realistic because he just i don't uh, know i've never had the pleasure i, mean, well, I, I shouldn't like say pleasure but i've never had the experience of, of doing that of, of shooting that into uh organic matter like that <laughs> mm-hmm and seeing what happens. But the power of if you if, if we you could get one and fail, if you attune the fail or if you take the the distance they fl- fly when they fail shooting and you apply that to the opposite end, it's probably fairly I accurate. mean if we could get a hold of one of these and maybe like a 200 pound pig, I'm down. Try. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll have to get some sponsors. We'll get a show budget. That's how we yes, do it. Yes, we need we need to we'll have a secondary channel where we just like put we put movie uh, scenarios to the test. To find out <laughs> the point being, very cool weapons in this movie. Okay, I love it. I really enjoyed um, the actor who played One Stab, the the elder mm-hmm. Indian gentleman. His narration, um, the just his. He, I mean, he's almost always singing, or he's mm. doing rites over, or teaching them how to um, use the land. Um, my father's very into. Uh, Native American spirituality and stuff like that. So it's just very interesting to see this portrayed. I don't know how accurate it is. I have not done mm-hmm. my research on this particular tribe that's represented here, but I just think that actor plays it very well. Like he, mm-hmm. he seems, I don't know if he's authentically Native American or was grown, had grown up that in that um, lifestyle that he could put input into the movie, but it didn't feel as Hollywood faked as some mm-hmm. other movies have, as far as the way he, interpreted different things and and some of the philosophies he brings forth that are maybe less intuitive to an american that he mm-hmm. talks about the brad pitt um says what tribe he's from right before he beats the piss out of that uh bartender who won't serve him a beer oh yeah he's like this is one step and he, and he like gives this like speech about who he is wh- right. what tribe he's from i forgot about that scene that's kind of like another thing i was thinking about with that like subverting society kind of theme that their family does. Like they have this Indian living with them. They treat him as an equal. They bring him in when public the when the rest of the world him. wouldn't, you know, and um, he just beats the tar out of that bartender. Just like to the dismay just of, out of, yeah. Like just out of nowhere. Cause you're not expecting it. And then all of a sudden Brad Pitt just literally flies over the top of his bar and just starts beating the hell out of this bartender, which is again, subverting expectations like Chase said. So, all right. Well, we, what, anything else we want to talk about, or do we want to give our uh, stake evaluations, our USDA grades on this movie? Anything else anybody wanted to mention, bring up? Yeah, I, I think the last little thing I'd like to say is, uh, you know, in, in the classic way of being a tragedy, a tragic story, the, the climax, the win for him is when these guys show up to kill him for killing one of the O'Bannon brothers. The second O'Bannon brother shows up with two dirty cops to kill him. And is, it the, is the sheriff there? The sheriff that's been yes, in the movie for I think a while. So. Yeah. so that sheriff who's kind of dirty and, you know, is a representation of kind of government corruption for a little bit. Like he's there too. So there's a one dirty cop, one dirty sheriff, and then the O'Bannon brother. And, and Alfred, I mean, Alfred. Well, no, that, that's what I was going to no, say. No, but I mean, is, Alfred is also, they're, they're one of their cohorts at this point. Like that's yeah. why he doesn't see, he hasn't seen his father in so long. He, he brings all these men to his father's house expecting a blessing for him to run for Senate. Mm. And to his credit, Anthony Hopkins looks at him and he's like, and what do these men want in return? And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you tell him you haven't asked what they want. Do you know nothing about the government and what these men want something from you and you yeah. don't even see it? He's like, there's no, he, what does he say? There's, he basically is, he says, no, they just see the greatness of my merits or whatever. It, right? what, like he's Anthony making, Hopkins says something like what government, like the attributes like the government doesn't have, like, and then, 
Alfred's like, well, then it is my duty to bring these attributes yeah. to the government. And it's like, and then, and he goes, thank you for your blessing. And they walk, that's the last time they see each other for a long time. And so he's, I mean, and then they, he's the reason the Volstead Act passes. He's the reason that they have this kind of uh, monopoly on like the liquor mm-hmm. distribution there. And and these characters are in throughout the movie. They introduced them earlier and then you see them meet Alfred, you see him rise to power, and they're always right there with him. And now he's kind of caught in it. He's the one that comes and says, after Tristan beats that cop for accidentally shooting his wife, he he comes to the funeral, and then right after the funeral says, uh, you're going to have to turn yourself in because um, that cop was hurt pretty bad. And Tristan's like... What killed my wife? <laughs> yeah. Killed my the yeah. guy. He's like the man who killed my wife, and and Alfred's like, well, well, he was reprimanded. He was reprim- and so you see, Alfred is like, it's it's he's living in this like moral limbo of like, yeah, he's caught up in all this too. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're getting at. Well, I just wanted then, to throw that in because we kind of, but yeah, no, 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 you're right. And and this it sets up the scene for at the end that double barrel rifle. There's three bad guys and there's two barrels, yep. and so Anthony Hopkins takes out two. Yeah. And then right before, you know, it's a great scene because the last, I think it's the sheriff or who, who's still alive, raises up his gun to shoot Anthony Hopkins. Tristan jumps in front of Anthony Hopkins and you hear a gunshot and it's from Alfred shooting the sheriff. Yep. I shot the sheriff, you know, but that's and, his redemption arc. And, and that's his redemption arc. And, and you see that I think Alfred does. He's a true believer. You know, Samuel is shown as the idealist who's naive, but then it's really Alfred who's the idealist and naive. And Alfred goes on this arc. Uh, but even within all this, this great victory where Alfred is redeemed, you know, from going being a rule follower who's an idealist and naive to understanding what's really happening and standing up for his family and Tristan, you know, redeeming himself by he's willing to sacrifice himself for his father and everything. Even after all that, it's tragic because Alfred says, they're going to think you did this, which is true. Uh, They're going to think that Tristan is the one who killed all three of them. He's like, and they're going to come after you. And so Tristan, you know, he's sorrowful and he says, well, take care of my kids. And he has to go off and he lives his life on the run and moving and he gets to see his kids and grandkids and everything. But I'm Yeah, the way they narrate the end makes it seem like he probably wasn't doing that forever. But you yeah, don't know. But I'm I'm sure that he wasn't able to just like put down roots with them as much and he had yeah. to leave for at least a little bit. And so yeah. there is still that's like some of that one American of the tragedies in the whole movie when yeah. thinking of having children and No, and, and that's that that's why it, it is truly tragic. And you know, there's still a little bit of that American, you know, happiness at the end where he lives a long good life and everything and gets to see his kids and their kids and everything, but it still is. It's also tragic that he doesn't get to just purely raise his kids because he's going to be on the run for years. You know, the U.S. government, especially back then, did not forget you killing a sheriff. So absolutely. Well, let's uh, finish up with our uh, grading. What uh, what's your grade? What's your stake for this movie? I'm going to go with a stake that I don't even eat that much, but I do enjoy it when I do, and that's uh, prime rib. Okay. You know, and. Uh, it's good. It's like it's a big steak usually. It's large and it's you know it's it's usually like get it somewhere fancier usually, but uh, it's pretty good quality. It's like always enjoyable. Uh, it's not my favorite steak in the world, but uh, I really like it. Uh, so that's yeah, that's what I'll give it. I'll give it a prime rib. Prime rib, Zach. Uh, this show makes me realize I need to study on steak more. <laughs> uh, We're going to run out. We're going to have to yeah, eat it. It's okay. Yeah, though. It's all good. Uh, probably like a good tri-tip, you know, something that it's tasty. It's got some some, it's some good meat. You grill it right. You cook it right. It's a good movie. Uh, it's not my favorite kind of movie, but they do a good job. Uh, it's a beautiful, you know, beautiful shots. It's a beautiful yeah. landscape. The actors do a good job other than Brad Pitt being the most hilarious crier I've ever seen. Uh, and so it, it's overall, it's a really good movie. It's a good story, and, and, and I liked it. So, yeah, something like a good tri-tip, you know, something that if you were to give me any steak in the world, I probably would not choose a tri-tip, but it's a good steak, and I like it. You know, any time uh, a movie makes you, like, want to do something, you know, even though it's a tragic movie that's kind mm-hmm. of like a redeeming quality, like, what you know, you watch this and you're like, man, I... I want to live on a ranch in Montana. I want to, I want <laughs> yeah. to, I want to work outside like a cowboy all day and then put on a three piece suit to eat dinner at night, which for some reason, Anthony Hopkins and they all do, they, they get like dressed up uh-huh. like they're in yeah. downtown New York uh-huh. to eat dinner <laughs> on their ranch. So yeah, 
that's it's the vibes of this movie that help kind of redeem it from the yeah. tragic because there's a there's other movies that have like similar you know kind of tragic lines through them and you mm -hmm. get done and it's just kind of like it's kind of a downer i don't think i'd watch that again but i i keep coming back to legends of the fall i've been watching this movie mm -hmm. you know regularly since like 2005 i mean i think I mean, I would kind of go with, I actually did just Google different steak types because I feel like I need to have some things. And I mean, honestly, I would kind of almost go with just like a tri-tip sirloin, something like that, like mm -hmm. Zach said, where it's like just eight ounces. It's got some good like grill marks on it. It's not anything fancy, but it's something that, you know, like Chase said, you can keep coming back to it. It's mm -hmm. not like you're never going to not at least enjoy it a little bit. It's, it's an older style movie. I mean, it's mm -hmm. obviously a nineties movie. Oh, it's definitely, a 90s but it's movie. like, yeah, you get those vibes of like, Oh, it could be cool to live. I mean, I think that's what is evoked in a lot of people that are watching like Yellowstone. Yeah, or this is the Yellowstone of the nineties in a right? way. It's like, yeah. this could be you if you wanted to go and do this, like you could go live out on a ranch and do the things. Right. And it's like, I think just having that kind of old reliable, I mean, it even comes back to kind of that old American value of us living out here in the West. It's like, this is kind of the stuff that built this area, whether these guys out on ranches just working the land, doing the stuff. So I think, you know, just a, a solid sirloin steak, just it's nothing fancy, but it's doing its good work and you can always enjoy it. So um, with that, that is today's episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Well, We've been trying to incorporate in a newer movie and an older movie. And so uh, next podcast, we'll probably do something newer. Um, we all went and saw Bullet Train. I don't know if we want to do that one, but it's another Brad Pitt. We could just double tap <laughs> Go the Brad Pitt. Pitt. We could do Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> it's um, not good. We have it's at least one other Brad Pitt title that I'm thinking of that's going to come up at some point too. So, so we're gonna, we're, this guy's going to come back. Brad, Brad will be around. So if you guys have suggestions on gonna movies hate that. you'd like us to review... Uh, leave them in the comments or um, in the reviews on uh, Apple Podcast if you're doing that or if you're watching on YouTube, leave them in the YouTube comments. We'd love to hear what you'd love to hear our takes on um, for better or worse. But thank you guys so much for joining us on the Real Steak Podcast and we'll see you next time.